Welcome to Darkly Lit, where we sail out to the middle of the ocean, hopefully to find freedom, but instead, we are surrounded by death. I'm your host, Kayla King. I'm joined by my other two wonderful co-hosts. We have Sade. I think I got a bite. <laughs> and we have David. You know, when SpongeBob says, ah, barnacles, as like a swear, I like get it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> might be careful. You might want to be careful reeling that thing in, though, Sade. I, I, it's, it's just thrashing pretty good. Are we going to just do nautical terms and pirate terms? Arr, matey! <laughs> well, if nautical nonsense be something you wish. <laughs> you brought me on this show, so yeah. <laughs> Buckle in. <laughs> oh boy, this is going to be a bumpy ride. Uh, or a bumpy boat ride. A very bumpy boat ride. So, uh, we had just finished reading Sakulina by Philip Fricassi. And uh, this was a short one, which was kind of nice after reading the long Devil in the White City. Now, Devil in the White City was still a good book, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's still a long book. The plot line's fairly simple. We are joined by this family. We have um, Jim, who's our lead, his uh, older brother, Jack, who has just been released from prison, their dad, Henry, and uh, Jack's friend, Chris. And they've decided they want to go on a fishing trip to celebrate jack's release from prison and they are joined by captain ron which is hilarious to me i'll talk about that later we get and captain ron's like yeah we should not go fishing it's kind of choppy waters out there so we probably should cancel and jack's like well hold on hold on if it's just choppy then and not like we're going to be in any danger i just want to go come on like we just want to go fishing man and captain ron's like all right your funeral uh literally uh <laughs> so they go it's, the waters are a bit choppy and he says if you'd like we can go an hour out more where the water's more calm and they're like yeah we're here already so they go out an, uh, an extra hour and they go fishing they're drinking beer jim's sick though because he's rarely on a boat and actually i don't think any of them have gone fishing before this is their first time deciding let's go fishing because Jack just wants to, because he wants to do something as a family, especially since it wasn't long ago when their mother passed away. Right. And um, they're still reeling from that as well. They're out there, and Chris catches a fish, and this fish is covered in barnacles, which is strange, because, what is it, was it like a sea bass or something like that? Or Yeah, a sea bass. <laughs> At least it's a, it's not a sea plus. Uh... I knew it was going to come up at some point. Sorry. Oh, I haven't forgotten the, uh, the plague that is sea bass. But this is not a common thing, says Captain Wrong. Like, barnacles are not supposed to hook on to sea bass. And usually it takes a very long time for them to do that. And they look at it and then they realize, ooh, this is kind of a creepy thing, especially when it, the thing is basically trying to eat them when it glues itself on. So Chris uh, throws the barnacle into the water. Uh, and then later on, they spot a bubble coming up from the ocean, and um, they look over, and Henry's hand suddenly gets caught with a couple barnacles, and they have 
already glued themselves on, which is, they, it, it's supposed to take forever for them to glue themselves on. And he's saying, I'm in pain, it's eating at me, it hurts. And this is one of the most discomforting parts. Jack's like, okay, we're just going to rip it off. He's like, please no, and then does it. Yeah. And uh, so they realize, we probably should get back. This is not going to be a good idea. And then they realize there are barnacles covering the full, like the full edge of the boat. And they weren't there before. As a result, the boat's not working, so they are stuck. And then this leads to deaths of Captain Ron, who we're not sure if, if, his, if he just intentionally died. We, Jim was asleep during that. That was a weird thing. This leads to Henry's death as he falls over. And then Chris dies. And the only one who survives is Jim at the end as he's rescued by another ship. But unfortunately, the barnacles have already got to him and they seem to already infect his brain and become the parasites that they actually are. Dun, dun, dun. I, I'm not as wonderfully detailed as say. Am I really? I don't. That's as detailed as I get to. No, I. I feel like I jump around and forget shit, and then go back and be like, "Oh yeah, and this happened. You did great." Thank yeah, it was you. awesome. Honestly, uh, there's only so much you can talk about because it's very quickly told, yeah. and it was not the horror I was expecting. But rapidly horrifying parasitic barnacles is kind of a neat angle. I like that right away. Do we like the? Do we like the horror of the barnacles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I was kind of wondering like hmm, I wonder where this will go. They're out fishing. Uh, the barnacles was a surprise, and the build up toward it was really great. I overall I had a good time reading this. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a nice little short story. It honestly, this is the perfect length for what this type of story. Is. Yeah, it delivered the exact horror that I enjoyed in this concise thing. This was great. It is a lovely, uncomfortable novel. The thing is though, as it's not exactly a deep novel either yeah i mean they they definitely do characterizations they give us you know characters that we can you know we get a sense of it but it's not like there's any deeper themes going on here that like relate to say the 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 family's relationship with the sea or anything it's just kind of you get to know them as characters and they just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time but the, the reason the there's that one significant part where i think this hadn't been a problem until they happen to be there when there's some sort of like geothermal event under the ocean that probably pushes all of those barnacle larvae paris you know the the like most basic form of them to the surface mm -hmm. which is that part when they suddenly see a a big sulfurous bubble rises to the surface and bursts and that's when things start to go it's after that that things start to go wrong they start seeing the barnacles starting to appear on the hull of the boat and you kind of forget about that bit for uh, a section and then i remember because unfortunately captain ron does that lovely line about like well, the ocean let out a wicked fart, and we're basically sitting right on, <laughs> right on the asshole. Okay, speaking of humor, I I'm kind of surprised he chose the name Captain Ron because, for those who don't know, Captain Ron is a 1992 film, and Captain Ron is played by Kurt Russell with an eye patch, and the whole thing is a comedy about. This family just going on a boat trip while Captain Ron just makes things wacky and wild. So the whole thing is a comedy with, like, silly antics. Unfortunately, because I've seen this movie and my brain, when I saw Captain Ron, my brain automatically associated with it. But I don't know many people who have seen this film, so 
it's fine. Like for what it is, it's fine. It's just one of those like, damn, I am having trouble not imagining Captain Ron as Kurt Russell with the eye patch right now. That kind of makes it fun, though. It even made it better with the whole fart line, too. And then I imagine Kurt Russell with an eye patch saying, Oh, the ocean let out a big fart. <laughs> oh, you know what? I have a question for you, Sade. Okay. Did you ship Jack and I, I knew that was coming. Because I was like, huh, did I ship those two? And I actually didn't. I was wondering. Yeah, you think I would have, but I, I, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't. There was uh, no subtext there for me to be like. I mean, I, I think there was enough there to read that there was like, yeah, okay, they have a bond. And there's like maybe something unspoken between them and just that they, you know, have always been friends. Uh, and normally, yes, I pick up on, on the slightest bit of subtext and I make it gay, but uh, I didn't this time. I don't know why. Maybe I was a little more focused on just like the whole barnacle thing was more intriguing to me at that moment. Um, we were saying, you know, it doesn't touch on like really deep issues or deep, any like deep themes inside the ocean, but uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I think it did touch on just like kind of like the bonds that we have from just family a little bit, you know, like you don't get to you really choose your family and sometimes you stick through it. Sometimes you don't. Um, I don't know. I thought there were some interesting themes there and just kind of like the brotherliness between Jack and a Jim and then like their, their way they, their father, their interaction with their father, I think was pretty interesting. Um, I guess, yeah, it could have been gayer cause I didn't even think of it. So, <laughs> but I'm not complaining. Yeah. I, I, again, it's not when, when I bring up the point about the characters uh, earlier, it's not really a complaint there. It's fine. It's just, it's not. Again, the, it's not like the barnacles tie in with the theme of like family bonds or anything like that. These are just, it just, we get, we know the characters and then we know what they're struggling with and the horror just happens to them. It's very surface level horror. I mean. But, that, but it's a good surface level horror. Yeah. I, I, I don't mean that as a bad thing at all. There's not, there, we don't, we don't have, we need to hyper analyze anything because um, the story doesn't have that it's about it's about the barnacles it's about the this this really this slow creeping horror which is done really well i mean there's and it's conceivable that it would have this this effect that you might run into something like this and uh that's where I, yeah the, the book really shines in that it sets up its horror and it's the situation that makes it horrific really well Oh, by the way, I wanted to look up the term Sakhalina because I thought it was just, oh, is that just the typical term for barnacles? It's not. It's a type of barnacle. And it's a horrifying one. Like, Wikipedia calls it, no joke, a parasitic castrator of crabs. Oh. Oh, shit, I think I've heard of them. Okay. Yeah. And they don't even look like the typical barnacles that you see on a ship either. Like, they're ugly looking. They're all and. Like, they, they are the legitimate definition of parasites that take over the bodies of crabs. So, what you see that happens to Jim, that's kind of, yeah. That explains the ending. Yes. Which is why his, his, that's actually a part I really liked, was the ending where you, he's panicking, and then, like, as he's starting to feel the sensation of things moving through him, he actually starts, he's like, he thinks about the, the ocean, but now he's thinking about how much he wants to get back on land, and you realize that 
the way he's looking at things and describing things, you know, even from a third person perspective, has shifted. And now, you know, he's just host. Yeah. The way he starts describing and just like speaking of everything, it's like euphoric. Mm-hmm. And like, what better way to keep control of your host and then to make them think they're they're happy or, you know, ple- pleasured or whatever. Yeah. No, I'm looking at pictures of these things now and it's gross. Mm-hmm. It's really gross. It's not what I imagined while reading. Um, I don't know which is worse. <laughs> the ending itself is a very good ending because Jim basically feels misery all throughout this book, and all he's kind of almost known is misery, like along with basically nearly being killed by his brother, his mother dying, his brother being arrested, and then once they're on the boat, the first thing that happens is he feels sick. He just feels unhappy throughout this trip. He's filled with fear. And I think this is like the first time you actually see Jim as being happy for once. (laughs) And it comes at the expense of being controlled by the the euphoria from a parasite. Yeah. Wow. There you go. I didn't think about that, but wow, you're right. (laughs) Should we get to questions? Because there's some... The questions actually have some poignant uh, thoughts. Actually, uh, questions and comments. I'm going to start with Bringer of Lighters. Thank you, Bringer. Because he just provides a comment. He said, It was a good read. I'm confused why the barnacles aren't a world problem. That would be pretty sick to find out. Also, Chris is pretty cool for saying, Fuck them barnacles. (laughs) It feels like the barnacles are actually just contained in this one area. Yeah. Well, because we had that notion of like oh there was like suddenly a little eruption that's probably the source so maybe this is the first time they're breaking into open water we don't know we're we're, it's it's a little bit just we're just getting this one little segment and who knows maybe it's suddenly happening in other parts of the water but yeah it's concentrated to this area because they caught that fish there's some seismic activity has caused them to like or seismic or geothermal or something has caused them or climate change yeah oh, or climate change oh that's true because again captain ron said he'd been in he'd fished in that spot before he'd been in this area for years and he'd never seen anything like the what happened to the sea bass so this is something recent and um again it's it, the implication here is that something has churned them up and brought them to the surface more recently we have a comment and question from dan or urkelbot 666 thank you dan I liked the story and enjoyed the unexplained weirdness. For some reason, I had trouble discerning some of the characters in this, even though they are pretty decently defined. I did notice that I struggled with um, Jack and Jim. Yeah. I think for me it's because their names are a bit too similar in my brain. Because they both have that J, they both have a J starting, name that starts with J. I do think, though, there were parts where I read it where I think the author meant to say the other. <gasps> yeah, I thought, I noticed that I do too. feel like there were a couple times where I was like, I'm pretty sure it makes more sense if, if, like, Jim or Jack is the one saying this. So I think that did happen, and that got a little confusing. Yeah. yeah. That, that's actually kind of a pet peeve of mine when I'm writing. Whenever I make characters, I need to make sure that their names have like different letters or their names start with different letters. Or if the names do start with the same letter, they need to be as completely different or sounding as far apart from each other as possible. Because I'm str- I struggle to like remember, okay, we got this character, this character, this character, and that. I, it's my way of keeping them organized if I have them have different letter, names that start with letters. But as a result, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I have an A name, a B name. Do I have, okay, 
How about a C name? Do I have that yet? But that, that's just me as a writer, so. The monster slash body horror stuff was good, and anything that takes place way out in the open water at the mercy of angry sea creatures tends to be fun. And super barnacles are a cool idea for a monster. Absolutely, I agree with this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What an unexpected idea for a horror, like, and it's a good one, too. Barnacles are usually set dressing, so to have them be the major threat is very inspiring. Yeah, it's unexpected, because you just, you wouldn't, you look at a barnacle, it's like, okay, cool, that's kind of cool looking, and then, I don't know. But yeah, it, it was a cool idea. I really enjoyed it. There was that one part where they described, like, this just, like, black beard of barnacles hanging off the bottom of the boat, and you could just kind of picture it floating in the depth, and that was really eerie to me, and that still is uh, stuck in my head. Yeah, I have that too. Because I think about it almost like the way you, you know, when everybody talks about iceberg theories and they always show an iceberg. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just this long, long drifting tail of barnacles that is just growing bigger and bigger and slowly pulling the boat down. It's like, yeah, okay, that that fucking slaps. (laughs) Yo. (laughs) I think my favorite part was the flashback of the brothers fight over the video game. I like the portrayal of how quickly things can go south when young kids who know better, but haven't quite learned better yet, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I actually want to talk about this, because that was also another horror that surprised me, was the fact that Jack nearly killed Jim over a fight with about a game. So, I, how do we feel about this? What did you guys think? What what do you think it contributed to the story? I thought it was interesting detail, like a little bit of uh, added information to put in there. Because it kind of, it's like a formative moment in like their relationship where it's like, I feel like it was a moment where there was like a divide that formed between them, but they're still brothers. So they were still close. And maybe it's like something that they like never discussed after that. I could see that. I'm just making assumptions because that's what I do when I read. But um. I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting because like, and it made sense to me because you're, if you're like a child, um, you have all these like strong emotions. Um, you don't know how to cope with them yet. And it was believable to me that, you know, that moment could happen between brothers. I think it's interesting because it, I, 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 I completely agree with that. And it also kind of highlights, I think in a way the, foreshadows that that jack is someone who is at least from our main character perspective someone who is capable of doing something like that of having those moments because there is that moment when i don't know if it's 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 presented super specifically but jim is almost questioning whether jack and chris actually did just find captain ron dead or if they did something to him yeah like knowing that his brother is capable of going that far and you're almost left wondering even with with henry wondering about it it's like since his his father their father is clearly a little bit addled like did they go the far as far as to potentially murder captain ron to use his body as like an experiment like we don't know but i mean I believe them when they say that he probably just had a heart attack, but there is always that kind of like that the coldness of the way they kind of do it, I think is foreshadowed a little bit by like, or at least in Jim's mind is foreshadowed by that flashback. Mm -hmm. It kind of explains why Jim was kind of like, okay with the explanation that he was given. But I did get the sense of like, like, I don't think they outright killed him with the intention of like, you know, using him as a test, but I could see like, you know, 
people getting frustrated and a, a fight breaking out and maybe Jack uh, pushing or hitting the captain too hard that he falls and uh, triggers a heart attack or hits his head and I don't know. It, it's And then like Henry just being like giving excuses because it kind of sounded like he didn't really know. Like he was just throwing out excuses of what could have happened because he doesn't want he's still trying to protect Jim even if that's like the truth of like your brother just killed a man <laughs> but in that sort of thought too that actually adds to the discomfort that occurs in this novel because by the end of it it's jack that's saying okay jim you gotta do this we gotta we gotta jump this is how it's gonna be and jim's not sure what to do and already we ha he knows his brother is possibly capable of a murder and then with the, he's not even sure if he possibly killed Ron, so there's this sort of like, mm. and he hasn't seen his brother for quite a while. He just came back from prison, so I think Jim is very much aware of what his brother is capable of, and kind of turns a blind eye to it. And I think from Jack's perspective, like that moment where he was like holding, crying with his mother because he almost killed his brother, was formative for him in that like he's also aware of what he's capable of. Um, and but he knows he has to protect his brother from not just life and circumstances and the sea and the barnacles, but also from himself. Yeah, because another formative part of that flashback is the fact that um, their mother tells him, uh, tells Jack, you see your brother, that's all you have. He is all you have. Mm -hmm. That, of course, that resonated with Jack. And that's why you see him basically say, I'm going to make sure you get out of this alive. Uh, Dan continues saying, however, the plot point about breaking the simpler Nintendo controller felt unrealistic to me. My brother and I went to town on those things and they never broke. So zero out of 10 for realism. <laughs> they just uh, don't make them like they used to. You know, they talk about making things Nintendo hard and you think that's just about how difficult the games were back in the day, but it's also how much that hardware lasts. I mean, at the World of Nintendo store in New York, there is a Game Boy that still functions there. You can see it. And it was in the Gulf War. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah, it's all melted and blasted as shit, and it still works. You know what? I, I had a green, that lime green Game Boy Color, and my stupid ass would keep it setting on the heater when I was a kid, because we never turned on our heaters, because we were like, no, just bear it, save the money. Um... But one day we did turn on a heater and it completely like melted and warped the back um, where the batteries would just barely fit and the cover for the batteries didn't fit anymore. It still worked great. Oh, oh my god. It was gosh. all warped on the back, but still played great. <laughs> That's Nintendo for you. So the one thing that Penelope Kotze wrote wrong is, nah, you should have not gone with Nintendo. Should have gone with another brand. <laughs> And then his questions are, maybe I wasn't paying enough attention, but I never quite found out what exactly they were doing with the captain when Jim woke up. He had a life vest on and a rope tied around him, and they were raising and lowering him into the ocean. Then he's back on the deck, and no one will cop to just how he died. I think I missed something. Uh, well, I mean, we accidentally... We kind of touched discussed. on that a little, yeah. And he was, you know, they were just testing to see how, how the barnacles will react if they went into the water, I guess. And the barnacles basically covered his whole body in a very horrifying way not just his uh, covered him like infested his corpse like that was pretty gnarly Didn't that he... was one of the most disturbing parts for me was when they put they like literally punctured him open and all of his innards came out and it was full of the parasites like, yeah that was, ah, 
I was just gonna say, I'm like, didn't they? Do, didn't that happen? And I was like, uh-huh. oh god, such a horrifying thing. And then he said, favorite sea creatures, real or fantastical. I actually am very partial to the bat race slash stingrays. I think they're adorable looking sea puppies. <laughs> uh, if you go to like uh, an aquarium or something like that, they will literally come up and you can pet. And um, I've heard that, like, if you, you can actually swim with them and then they will lean against you like dogs do. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's so adorable. <laughs> Plus, I love the way that they move. They have the flap flaps. They have the flap flaps, like bats and birds. Yeah. <laughs> what about you guys? I've always really loved uh, just sharks. I just love all sharks. Uh, Great White's my favorite. I think I've said that before. Yeah, no, I, I just really fucking love sharks. There's other sea life that I also think is cool, but I want a land shark pupper. Aww. That's a tough one. Um, I, I'll say a fish I really like. Um, have you ever heard of the Picasso triggerfish? This sounds familiar. I feel like I have, but I can't picture it. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's from the tropics, and it's got this really interesting color pattern and this really interesting kind of face, hence okay. the name. Yeah, yeah. And I just really like, I just really like the way it looks. That's all. <laughs> I'm trying to think of fantastical sea creatures. I mean... There was... I feel like there was one, like, ocean cryptid that was pretty cool, and I don't remember what it was called. I mean, the infamous one is Nessie, of course. Yeah. And then... But Nessie's in a lake, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she is in a lake. What about the Kapus? Are they sea? No, they're not in the sea. Well, they can be. I, maybe. I always imagine they're more in like rivers and like creeks and lakes, I think. All the cryptids that I can think of that are like. Were you, were you thinking water- of the, the Ninyo? Oh. The, like big, big, big. white, ghostly looking thing that's in the water? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Also, you know what? There's some jellyfish. That are just fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah. Uh, sirens, I think, are really fascinating. Sirens are cool, yeah. We can go with the Kraken. We can go with the... I mean, just the sea is, like, fucking terrifying. The depths of the ocean. Yes. I find it funny when people are like, Oh, what kind of aliens are out there in outer space? I'm like, have you seen the ocean? Like, have you seen the wildlife that's in there? That's, yeah. The, that's basically, like, alien. There's some deep-sea creatures that are fucking terrifying i think it's fascinating that whenever aliens are generally depicted and people want to make them look alien but they don't have the best sense of how to do it they often give them aquatic features like tentacles and stuff Mm -hmm. and it's because there's the most alien place to us on our planet is the ocean so and all kinds of strange things are down there anglerfish freak me out so, like, there's another thing, too. Those things are horrifying looking. Does Godzilla count? Sure, we can count Godzilla. <laughs> I mean, we I mean, I'd be... Any sea-based kaiju, I think, are fine. I'd be remiss, because if... I think Abby would be annoyed if we didn't say shout-out to Cthulhu. Oh, uh, yeah. His homeboy, Cthulhu. His good pal, Cthulhu. Uh, that's all the questions we have. Do we have any last-minute thoughts? Good read. If you if you listen to the episode without reading the book, I go back and read it, even though we just spoiled everything. It's just still a fun little romp. Agreed. I don't really know if I have a ton of closing thoughts about it. I think I got everything I wanted to say. We got this one. Hook, line, and sinker. Hey. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, even if you've listened to this and you haven't read it, go read it still. It's got good body horror, good descriptions. The writing is really good, all things considered. And it's a very quick read. It only takes... It's not so short that you could finish it in 15 minutes. It's still a novella, but it should. It took me only like an hour to read, I want to say. I read it yesterday. 
And David read it today before this recording. It did not take long. Not at all. All right. So for December, it's the holidays. So we're reading a holiday-themed novella, keeping up with the short stories, especially since it is the holidays. and We all pretty busy. Yeah. It's nice that we can do a couple short ones in a row, though. I'm good with that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Usually at the beginning of the year, that's when we're like, "All right, let's bring in the let's bring in the big boys." Oh yeah. Yeah, no, we'll do uh, we'll do another novella, and then we're doing House of Leaves. <laughs> huh? Oh, don't I'm promise joking. that. I'm <laughs> joking. I'm a hundred percent joking. Do not promise that yet. Uh, we might we might look into that. We might look into that. It is a good book. It is just very long. <laughs> So our next read is going to be The Visitor by Sergio Gomez. Woo! Woo! If you like what you hear, check out other episodes of Darkly Lit um, on the Creative Horror Network at creativehorror.com or check out the YouTube webpage. Um, We're uploading little by little as we go and hopefully, probably by the end of this year, we'll have all the episodes uploaded. We're getting close, so... Also, check out our other podcasts. We have, um, we have Undercooked Analysis, Midnight Marinara. We just released a new Midnight Marinara episode for Halloween. Also, you, uh, you can check out the Jameson tapes, which said uh, edits, and I highly recommend that. It seems like a calm night. Uh, probably a good night for fishing. I got the poles and I got some bait. David's out there already getting the boat revved up. Let's head out. And I got the booze. Woo! Good evening, intrepid listeners. This is the Pasta Shade, the host of Midnight Marinara, and this podcast is part of CreativeHorror.com, a network of podcasts and creators working together to build a constructive community of horror fans. For more content like this, visit us at CreativeHorror.com. <laughs>